obviously as a teenager there are some things that you might not want to talk to your parents about or not want to talk to teachers about and sometimes not even your friends so I think that um yeah creating that kind of big sister role which was another reason why I really loved boarding school because you do form strong ties with girls who are you know the year above you the year below you and there's that really dynamic opportunity to be friends with a whole range of different people. This is Life on the Land, a Grazy Her podcast telling stories of women living in rural and regional Australia. Hello and welcome back to a fresh season of Life on the Land. I'm Sky Manson, your host for this episode. When you're a teenager, you are on the cusp of life in the big wide world. And that is both exhilarating and debilitating in the same breath. It's a time when a mishmash of expectations from all corners of the universe collide, leaving you, the teenager, on any given day feeling fabulous and confident, full of bravado, and then tired, then anxious, then insecure, uncertain and full of tears and fears. It is such a challenging time. Our guest today, Ruby Reithmuller, is building an organisation where girls lead girls through this tricky time by matching teenage girls with a sister-like figure who is not intimidating, who's young and she gets it. Last month, Ruby's idea shot to fame when she won the Buy From The Bush and PayPal AU Big Break competition, which means a whole suite of new tools can be added to her innovative approach to young mental health. Yeah, so basically Womankind is a female-led youth mental health organisation and basically we are on a mission to close the gap in effective mental health education and support for pre-teen and teenage girls. And our philosophy, I guess, is an approach led by young people for young people. So really trying to create a space where they feel comfortable and supported and understood in the challenges that they're navigating as a teen and being able to bounce ideas off us and get guidance from us, I guess, on our lived experience in our very recent years as teenage girls. So what what is the gap? Yeah, I think that the there's... a lot to say for actually having young people at the core of the discussion around mental illness and mental health. And I think that there's so much good that can be done in actually including young people in that conversation and really understanding from their perspective what the main challenges are and even talking to them about what they see as the the solutions for, you know, mental illness and actually trying to decrease or at least plateau the statistics that we have here in Australia. So, The gap that we're trying to close is really just creating this safe network where girls can engage in formal and non-formal mental health support all the time and in a less formal situation. So our approach is more, you know, having a big sister mentor instead of something that's a little bit more professional, which can sometimes be a bit more daunting for young people. So there will be so many um, mothers listening to this podcast with you, Ruby, who who may have teenage daughters of their own. And without being um, sort of flippant about it, as a teenager, how do you describe mental health? Like what are the very things that you have to deal with? Yeah, I think... 
you know, we something that we really stress at Womankind is this idea that regardless of who you are, you know, whether you're a bus driver or the New South Wales Premier or, you know, your best friend, it doesn't matter who you are or who you're talking to, everyone has mental health. So the importance to actually protect that and engage in mental health promoting conversations and activities doesn't change. So that's something that we're really trying to focus on here at Womankind instead of just focusing on mental illness. So in a lot of ways, we're actually more of a preventative organisation in that sense. So I think for young people, mental illness, you know, if you ask them what mental illness meant, a lot of the time they would describe feelings of loneliness, of feeling isolated, feeling stressed, overwhelmed, um, you know, like they don't belong in a social situation at school, even within family units. You know, there's so many challenges that young people face and they're very complex. And a lot of the time they do come back to that sense of belonging, that sense of well-being. So for them, I think they would be describing it as those things. But in a lot of the cases, they're very hesitant to kind of put themselves in that category of struggling with a mental illness because they're worried about the consequences that that might have or they're concerned about it you know affecting their pride as a young person or people worrying about them you know there's so many things that they think about in relation to mental health and mental illness as well. So you've explained what womankind is all about but um, what are the products that you have or h- how do you actually give resources to, to preteen girls who are in that situation? Yeah, so our existing offerings, we do a couple of different things, both online and offline. Um, in person, the offerings that we have are one-on-one wellbeing mentoring. So instead of a young person seeing a psychologist, which they might just be totally refusing to do or they've tried it and it's maybe not the right support for them, we offer one-on-one wellbeing mentoring. So girls will actually connect with one of our mentors who are all just such beautiful girls, real leaders and all trained in mental health first aid training. So they have that experience as a teenager, but they also have, you know, the qualification of having training to be able to respond to girls in a way that's appropriate and productive and constructive, I guess. So that's one of our main offerings, which can be done in person or over the phone. So it's really great for those girls who are kind of removed from metropolitan living or major cities, being able to access a service over the phone is really valuable for them. Another thing that we do is wellbeing mentoring in schools. So we run programs um, to day schools and boarding schools, either one-off workshops or weekly programs. Just again, by um getting our younger mentors in there and really providing them with an opportunity to have open discussions and to grow as a group and to, I guess, navigate some of the challenges that they're facing in a really supportive environment. So they're the things that we have on at the moment. And then we also have an Instagram page and a community, which is just such a beautiful place for the girls to connect online. We put advice on there all the time, whether it's, you know, the 30 things you need to know before you go on schoolies or, tips on getting to sleep quicker we kind of really hone in on the challenges that they're facing and create content that suits everything that they're going through so that's where we're at at the moment and then we have plans to develop an app in 2022 which is a really exciting step for us um, to be able to level up and kind of create an 
a, a, a resource for them to access literally 24-7 with the support they need. So, Ruby, tell me a little bit about you because what you're doing is really astounding considering your age. How old are you to this point? Yeah, so I'm 24 at the moment, started Womankind last year when I was 23, and it really has been an idea that I have played with since being at school and being a teenager myself. There were so many moments where I thought, you know, why isn't there just a guidebook to how to do this? And it might have been the simplest things from like doing your L's test or not being able to sleep before an HSE exam and just like kind of having no idea why and not being able to connect the dots with stress and how to manage that. And I think that having grown up in an environment with such a loving family, a great group of friends and having an education that I'm really grateful for I still felt like with all of those things there was something missing for me and I thought that if I was feeling that then most likely a lot of other people my age were as well so I had thought about it for a long time and kind of had a lot of conversations with peers who had been who had left school and really thought about the concept of utilizing the resource of people who have recently been in the shoes of current teenagers and just I don't know, I think that as a generation, we almost feel a responsibility because we know how they feel. We're so in tune with how they're feeling, having felt it ourselves so recently. So for us, there's like this need for us to kind of give back to their community um, just by opening up about our lived experiences, I guess. It's such a generational thing for you to, um, I think, being from on the cusp of a different generation, to experience these problems but then it's just um, profound almost that you take action upon them so what gives you the confidence to 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 do that even though I'm sure um, you're not quite sure how those actions should come all come together in initially yeah I think there's definitely been moments that I've doubted myself and I guess it took me six years to actually turn my passion into purpose and and give starting woman kind of a bit of a crack. So I think that in that I did question, you know, I'm 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 only young. I'm I haven't finished uni. All of those things that were kind of conflicting thoughts at the start. Obviously now I have finished uni and I'm studying psychology, but I was so conflicted in my mind as to feeling like I wasn't qualified enough, but then always reverting back to the, the whole point of it which is that the qualifications that we have is the lived experience and is that ability to to actually resonate with how they're feeling and be able to provide them with support that, you know, I would have provided my younger self or that I would have provided my friends in that situation. So I think that there's a lot to be gained in just opening the conversation. And when the girls that we mentor or that we engage with in our school programs see us as being these role models, we have such an incredible platform to actually impart our knowledge and wisdom and our values on them so that they are, you know, more driven to be focusing on kindness or to believe in themselves and all of those things, which are such a strong foundation for well-being and sense of self. So I guess, yeah, you know, we're wearing the sneakers on their Christmas list. They kind of look up to us as these cool girls, but when you can you know show them that kind is cool and all these other things it 
it really creates a space where we can, you know, delve into some deeper topics with their trust and their respect that they have for us. You went to boarding school, Ruby, and you loved every minute of it. Just tell me, I want to delve into that a little bit more. What what excited you so much about going to a school that was away from your family and your home, which also didn't have anything wrong with it, which was also, um, as you say, lovely and um, and beautiful and was giving you what you needed? Yeah, I think my mum had been a boarder in her senior years and had, as you know, like I had, she was moving from the country to boarding school and I had always heard her speak only fondly about her experiences at school and just always, you know, be in hysterics over the smallest moments that happened while she was in the boarding house surrounded by her friends that are still some of her closest friends. So I think that hearing her experience was something that really prompted me to, you know, become interested in it. And I guess I just loved the idea of being, of living with your best friends all the time. Like, obviously that's not everyone's cup of tea, but for me, I really thrived in that environment where I could just, you know, bounce ideas off other people and be always surrounded by something happening. You know, it was such a busy environment in that everyone was, you know, doing their own thing. There was, you know, hormones going crazy. It was just such a, I don't know, a crazy environment that I really, really loved. And I think having the support of those friends, living with them so closely, it meant that you kind of gained this lifeline I guess this level of support that you may not have got if you were just kind of going to school at 8 30 and coming home at 3 30 I think as well like you learn so much about yourself and about other people living with them from such a young age and kind of those qualities of compromise and patience and all of that stuff so I think yeah for me the boarding experience was was very a fond one not to mention just to have to look after yourself yeah, yeah, that independence was good when it, until it wasn't, you know, it was good until it wasn't, but no, it was good. Yes, well, notwithstanding the fact that it's such a such a wonderful privilege to be able to go to boarding school, what were, you talked about some of the um, great parts, but what were some of the worst parts for you? Yeah, I think, you know, when you said that idea of independence, I think sometimes there were um maybe issues around that in that you know when you're in your senior years of school you're kind of 17 and 18 you're starting to really be able to think for yourself um you're kind of challenging your ideas on things you're getting deeper perspectives on the world and I think that sometimes it did prove challenging when you're trying to be this independent person who thinks that they're ready to stand on their own two feet when in fact you might you know need the support of the boarding mistresses and of the teachers to actually continue to guide you through some things. And did you get that support from the, uh, from older people around you while you're at school? Yeah, I think definitely. But in that same sense, it was hard because, you know, when we were feeling upset or we were feeling overwhelmed, a lot of the times they would revert to saying, you know, just get off your phone less or go to sleep earlier or, you know, kind of saying some things that in the mind of a 17 year old are really kind of like hard things to grasp, even though they were totally right in all the advice that they did give us. But I think, again, that's where having this kind of like big sister role model would have been really valuable for me as the oldest child. I didn't have that person to kind of bounce my concerns off. Obviously I talked to my mom so openly about everything, but 
obviously as a teenager there are some things that you might not want to talk to your parents about or not want to talk to teachers about and sometimes not even your friends so I think that um yeah creating that kind of big sister role which was another reason why I really loved boarding school because you do form strong ties with girls who are you know the year above you the year below you and there's that really dynamic opportunity to be friends with a whole range of different people and I guess as well that was a reason why I wanted to start Womankind because a lot of the times at boarding school when I'd be in year 12 I'd have you know year sevens year eights year nines knocking on my door just wanting to talk to me or be in my company as kind of a bit of reassurance if they were feeling homesick or feeling you know isolated or lonely and whatever they were experiencing at the time and I think that I really understood the value of having that big sister role at boarding school. Yes I think in any secondary school scenario you from a younger level you know when when you're in year seven and year eight and year nine you are always looking up to um, the people and the students above you and then there's an extra layer when you go to a boarding school in that um, you are this group mentality you're all in there together and you do see each other at every moment of the day and um, make observation about how people are going and then you throw into the mix that you do have contact with those people's sort of parents which means their outside world so having had that experience where you've got like all like you've got people who mentor you without even mentoring you who are older just explain I I think you'll understand what I'm talking about how that Mm. has helped you formed womankind and Mm. the different layers of support yeah as you said when you're in the boarding school you kind of feel like you have a hundred sisters like you genuinely care for them as you would care for a sister even if you don't see eye to eye you still have this like really strong fondness of them because yeah, as you said, you see them at their low points, you see them when they're on top of the world and you see them in every moment in between. And I think that there's something really special in that. And when you're living with these girls, you kind of have to be your genuine self because they're seeing you 24 hours of the day. So I think that definitely a lot of the, um, you know, things that I observed at school, a lot of the friendships that I cherished and the experiences that we navigated together, I think, have formed a strong kind of foundation for the values of womankind and what I would hope to kind of impart on our community as we do start developing more wellbeing offerings and just really communicating to them that we understand how they feel and and there's no shame in feeling however you are feeling and that there is support available regardless of whether you feel like there's not. And then, Ruby, tell me a little bit about your childhood and your upbringing on the land and how that plays into this. Yeah, so I grew up, you know, as a pretty active kid, always surrounded by family, friends and family and spent a lot of time horse riding, um, which was something that, you know, when I think of my childhood is probably one of the big things that comes to mind. So, yeah, spending a lot of time outside doing what I enjoyed, And I guess I'm eight years older than my sister, my little sister. And for those eight years, all I ever wished for was a sister. Every Christmas, every birthday, what do you want for Christmas? A sister. And I realise now that it's not as easy as just like having a sister. Um, So I think as soon as I, you know, got had a sister at age eight, I just was so infatuated with her. I was so proud to be her big sister. And I think, again, that big sister role, having 
had that at, at an age where I really understood the, I guess, I don't know, the power of, of having a, you know, a younger sister or a bigger sister and being able to look after them in the way you do, I guess that has definitely transformed the way that I see things and, and the ability to kind of create a positive impact on young people. So, yeah, I think definitely having my younger sister has been a big catalyst for starting womankind and um yeah but generally a very happy childhood loved life on the land loved you know the freedom of just being you know going to the river getting dirty you know just it was just such a good time um my childhood is definitely ones that I'm very fond of we'll be back with Ruby in just a moment but now a word from today's sponsor Today's episode of Life on the Land is brought to you by SkyMesh. Do you need access to fast, reliable internet service at your regional home or business? Join Australia's most awarded specialised rural internet provider that's trusted by over 45,000 Aussies. Secure your free NBN SkyMuster or fixed wireless internet installation today on a no-lock-in contract. Plans start from just $34.95 per month with Brisbane-based seven days a week support. Make the switch today and access better internet for your home or business. Visit skymesh.net.au and get connected or call 1300 759 637 now. Service availability is determined by NBN. And what about the isolation? Um, not that it was particularly remote where you were growing up, but I suppose that that also plays into this issue of mental health for preteens who are in a community and then they go home and they're taken out of it and I think then they re-enter and then they come and then they come back in. Yeah, I think it, it definitely does pose some really unique challenges for the girls who are living more remotely. Um, you know, it can be anything from not having you know stable enough internet connection to be able to connect with their peers given for young people these days social connection is such a big part or again if they're living in a remote area you know the psychologist could be someone that they know really well or they might not even be a psychologist in their area you know close by that they can access so I think that Obviously, for me, I didn't like grow up in an environment that was really remote or isolated, but you can still feel that compared to your metropolitan peers, the offerings are a lot more limited, you know, whether that means that the wait list to see a specialist is double what it would be if you were living in Sydney or Melbourne or, you know, even Canberra. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that connecting with those girls and really making sure that they have equal support or equal access to support than their metropolitan peers is something that is you know really something that we are trying to tap into with the development of the new app and I love it that you say it took you six years to realize or to I suppose get the confidence to to follow this hunch of yours when you were doing your HSC, which so many um, students are going through right now, what were you going to do when you finished school? What yeah, did you I, be? 
I've always been quite a creative person. So when I left school, I was really keen to be a film director or a film producer, just anything in film. I loved the idea of the whole creative process around, you know, bringing an idea to life through a film. Um, but I'm such an indecisive person. Like, it's crazy how indecisive I am. So I didn't want to kind of put myself in a box of only doing that at the end of the day. I just wasn't sure enough to kind of do a Bachelor of Film. So I decided to do um, visual communication design and marketing at UTS, which for me was really good because it meant that it was a bit more broad and you kind of delved into a few different aspects of the bigger picture, um, which... To be honest, I hated the first year. I was so close to pulling out and my mum said, basically said, you'll regret it. And she was right. I told her she wouldn't be right, but she was right once again um, and went on to finish that degree and really loved it and had always thought that I would, you know, pursue a job in strategic marketing or something in that area because I did genuinely really enjoy it. But it wasn't until I had spent nine months traveling um, overseas and I kind of came back right when the pandemic had begun it was like one of the last flights before you had to do the big quarantine um and I just I don't know I just thought that if I wasn't going to try it now I would always regret it and if there was ever a more important time to to try it was now given the struggles that young people were going to face more so than what they already were so that was kind of yeah I just thought you've just got to go for it so um that's what's led me to here. And I think that that degree in design and marketing plays a huge role in what I do with Womankind anyway, because I really think that imaging and wording plays such a huge part in changing the stigma around mental health and mental illness. So what we're trying to do with Womankind is actually like portrayed in a way that is almost appealing, you know, because teenage girls of all people are not going to engage with something that kind of looks ugly or looks, you know, professional or corporate or clinical. They want to see content that they actually relate with or that, you know, generates them to feel some kind of emotional connection to. So that's, um, yeah, it's been really helpful in what we're doing at Womankind as well. So did you, have you designed um, the interface that we see that is Womankind? Is that all your work? Yep, that is all my work. So yeah, I'm the web developer, the founder, the, you know, everything at the moment. Um, so yeah, the, the content is all created by me, which is something I really enjoy doing. Like if I want an outlet from doing, you know, more text heavy things, I really actually enjoy being able to create those visuals. Where did the name come from, Ruby? Um, I think like I brainstormed it for a long time. Again, so indecisive, but the main thing that I wanted womankind to stand for at the beginning and still now was kindness. Like I genuinely believe in the power of kindness to be able to really change the way that we all feel about ourselves and each other. So I kind of was trying to figure out something that related to kindness in some way. And then it, it kind of just came to me. It was a bit of a light bulb moment to call it womankind, you know, as humankind, but womankind. And we took the A out of the woman to kind of represent this idea that it wasn't just for women, it was for anyone who identifies as a woman. So, um, yeah, that's the, the idea behind the name. And tell me about the buy from the bush and PayPal 
big break experience for you, which of course you were the winner. And I think there was, you were such a deserving winner. What made you take the plunge to do that in the first place? Yeah, I think obviously a lot of small business owners can probably relate to the fact that you're always kind of trying to apply for different things and trying to put yourself out there and trying to make those initial connections to be able to reach your milestones in the early days. And I have definitely applied for my fair share of kind of grants and competitions and all those things. But something that really stood out to me about the Buy From The Bush and PayPal Big Break was that both of the businesses stood for innovation and we're doing such incredible work around kind of solving a a user need, I guess. So I was really keen, you know, to get involved with it. I've always been so fond of Buy From The Bush. So it was just a really exciting opportunity, I guess. And I used it as an opportunity to actually get some of our womankind girls in on the pitch, which they really loved doing. Um, And I guess it taught them a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes at Womankind as well. So loved doing the pitches, loved, you know, talking to the panel of judges about our idea. And I guess winning it has come at such an amazing time for us, both in the sense of I feel like the confidence that I've gained since having their backing has been so valuable to like how I see the future of Womankind unfolding, but also obviously the financial support from winning the funding is just so important at a time where the statistics around youth mental health continue to increase and there's such an urgent need for something a little bit more innovative I guess in in the space of mental health. So just tell me a little bit about what you're going to do with that money. Yeah so the the prize money is going towards the development of the Womankind app which is something that has always been in the pipeline but has kind of just been fast-tracked now with the um, support of Buy From The Bush and PayPal which is so exciting. So the, the idea behind the app really is to just build on our existing services in ensuring that every girl regardless of their geographic location actually has access to the same support um, and they have that support on hand all the time. You know, we know that the teenagers of today are the least likely generation to reach out for the help they need, but they're the most likely generation to actually turn to their smartphones as a means for receiving information, getting answers to to what they're struggling with. So I think that we have such an exciting space to feel in merging those things to create a network where they do, you know, feel supported. And I guess as well, a lot of the time, um, you know, my generation and the girls below me often, you know, receive criticism about the amount of time that we spent on social media or on our phones. And that if that wasn't a factor, that all of our issues would be solved. When I, I think that we really need to work with technology as a way to connect people and I think we've seen firsthand with COVID how valuable technology can be in connecting people whether it's FaceTiming you know family that you haven't been able to see in 18 months or you know there's so many reasons now that I think we're actually changing the dialogue to appreciate the power that technology has in connecting people so what we want to do is just yeah create an online space that's safe and and positive so that when they are on their phone, which is unlikely that we're going to change their habits on actually using the phone, how much they use it, providing them with an app that 
instead of maybe, you know, causing them to question who they are or compare themselves to other people that it's a, it's a platform where they can kind of gather and share in the experiences and emotions that they're all experiencing. So excited to see how it evolves. Um, and I hope that by listening to this, there's lots of people that come on your journey with you. Before I let you go, Ruby, I'd love to just get your top five tips or three tips for um, someone who's, a, a you know, your, your target audience, your t- um, teenagers who are in need of some easy, quick self-care tips. What would you advise, recommend? I think like for me, the most important kind of self-care thing that I've come to realise is not even as much about, you know, doing a face mask, reading a book, but actually setting boundaries for yourself. And I think that once you learn to do that or you embark on the process of learning to do that, it's so valuable because you realise when you need a break before you, you know, burn out or you realise that you need to take some time for yourself before you kind of become overwhelmed in a social setting. So I think my number one thing would be to learn your boundaries and um, to stick to them and, and not to feel like you owe anyone anything, you know, like just do what feels right for you, for you and only for you. Um, In saying that, obviously all of the classic self-care things are so valuable and so nice, whether it be, you know, my favorite thing would be to definitely, you know, have a bath, um, you know, FaceTime a friend I haven't spoken to in a while, just just doing whatever whatever you enjoy. Um, I love reading, so reading is a big one for me. Um, one book that I would definitely recommend girls read is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And another one that I really love is The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Both books, I think every person regardless of their age could get so much out of especially women so those have been some great books that I have loved um what else I mean not it's not really self-care related but just like believe in yourself back yourself you've already got everything you need to be the person that you want to be so don't feel like you're restricted by anything because there really is no limit to like the things that you can achieve um be open to change, like friendship groups will change, things in your life will change and and trying to see them as opportunities more so than challenges. Um, and definitely just trying to be more present, you know, whether that means spending less time on your screen or more time doing things that kind of make you feel like you have a greater purpose is really important. I think just being mindful of staying present is such a valuable tool and people do that in different ways, whether it's through meditation or through writing daily gratitudes. But um, I think that that's a practice that we can all, you know, learn so much from. And on the flip side, as a parent, what is a way that you could try and introduce girls to womankind without imposing it upon them? Mm, I think you know, naturally girls may feel more resistant when their parents are trying to help them with something on a topic such as mental illness, just because they probably have already, you know, decided in their head that the parent doesn't understand as well as they wish they could have. But um, I think, you know, having that Instagram page is a great way to kind of direct them to that. 
I would say, and I know a lot of mums will kind of see content on our page that's relevant to their daughter, um, you know, whether it's like the top 12 study tips and they'll send it to the daughter and then hopefully she will, you know, have a look at it. And that's just a nice way for them to kind of, her to be introduced to womankind. Another thing that we do, we also sell hoodies and apparel, um, 2022 diaries. So that's a really great way, again, to introduce them to womankind by, you know, gifting them one of these, whether it's for Christmas or their birthday, which 100% of profits go towards funding mental health initiatives. So it's a really nice way of kind of starting to open that conversation around mental health and, and directing them to services that they might be more inclined to use than more traditional forms of mental health support. So, yeah, and I think that, like, for parents or teachers or anyone who has a young person in their life, like, kind of practising what you preach, like, if you want them to open up and talk to you about what they're struggling with, like, actually being open to talk to them about things that you find difficult or that you're challenged with at the moment, I think that there is so much value in just being open, you know, and it doesn't have to be this long winded spiel, but just saying, Oh gosh, I feel so flat today. It might've been because I didn't sleep too well last night. Like for a parent to say that and kind of allow themselves to be vulnerable to their children means that that their daughters are going to be a lot more inclined to say when they are feeling the same way, you know, Oh God, not feeling too good today and and maybe that will start a big a bigger more in-depth conversation and I guess for parents these days not to assume that their daughter doesn't have some mental health challenges but to assume that to some degree they they probably do because the statistics do go to show that 60% of young people at the moment are suffering from some kind of psychological distress so just yeah supporting them in any way that feels natural and if you are kind of at a, a bit of a lost end you know you're definitely not the only parent to feel like that a lot of mums and dads that we speak to are kind of you know so overwhelmed because all they want to do is support their daughter but they're finding it really hard so I would definitely say to reach out to us at Womankind if 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 you feel like your daughter can benefit from the services that we have on offer. Tell me more about what Dear Sister is going to be. Yeah, so dear sister, as I said, my sister's 16, so she kind of has that real inside scoop into life as a teenager. And basically what we'll be talking through is just like advice that we would give our younger selves, advice that we would give the teenagers of today. And we'll be giving that advice, but we'll also be getting friends onto the podcast and also, you know, some really amazing women and just hearing from their perspective what advice they would give their teenage self and kind of like the profound moments or experiences that they had that led them to do whatever they're doing, you know, whether they're an elite sports person or they're a really amazing businesswoman or, you know, whatever they're doing, we, we just want to hear from their perspective, you know, how, how their teenage years were. And um, I think, again, providing teenagers with the insight into the lives of a whole range of different women just opens their mind to the possibilities that, of what their future might look like and um, maybe connect them to people who are in their area of interest. What an exciting and busy time for you, Ruby. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you uh, a little bit more and hear more about your plans um, for Womankind. So thank you so much for speaking with us on Life on the Land. 
Thank you. I, I, I love Life on the Land podcast and it's been so nice to talk to you guys. And um, yes, it's just so nice to connect. So I'm glad to that we can stay in touch now and hopefully, you know, maybe you'll come on my podcast in <laughs> whenever it's up and running. <laughs> oh, we'd love to. <laughs> Womankind founder Ruby Reithmuller, one impressive individual, don't you think? If I had her insight and her foresight at her age, I think I would have been pretty happy. Such a talent, and I think that you too will be following her continued success forward from this point. Thank you to today's sponsor, SkyMesh. We are so excited to be back with you for this season. I know that we always say this, but we really do have some great women to showcase over the next few weeks. They are high achievers who still manage to remain so grounded in the way that they tell their story. And I think that once you hear the backstory of these women, you'll be so inspired to go on and do wonderful things like they have. So please share where you can and stay tuned. See you next week for another Life on the Land story.